Jesus. Wow, 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 wow. I was ready. I was ready. It's like I said to Brad, I said, we're going to be staying here for the next six months. Because if a revival breaks out, I'm not going anywhere. Amen. Come on. I'm telling you, if, if a revival breaks out, I'm not going anywhere. I will stay right here in Bradford. Amen. Come on. I'm telling you. I'm not going to leave town. That'll just be, that'll be so unwise. Amen. Can you imagine full-blown revival and we want to go, we want to leave town. It's like, no, we're staying right here. Amen. Come on. And I want to tell you, I, I, when I was sitting there and we were in that moment, I believe, I, I just sensed like the word I got was the lion just walked in the room. And then while I was sitting there, I felt like somebody put in my hands a baton, like a baton, like I felt like the scepter was resting in my hand. And I really felt in that moment, God released over this body tonight, another level of authority. Another level of authority has been placed on the house. Amen. Come on. You can't come in here and say, well, I didn't sense. If you didn't sense anything, your wood's wet. I'm telling you, you are wet. There's nothing that can happen in your life. Amen. Come on. There was a moment there that I believe anything could have happened. But those are the ways that revivals will start. There will be a spontaneity. You know, I used to work on the mine many, many years ago back in South Africa. I used to work underground, and I used to be a ventilation engineer. And what my job was, is I had to make sure that numerous things happened. First of all, that people had fresh air down there. We had to make sure that every, all the miners working one mile underground actually had fresh air. Secondly, I had to make sure that they had cold water. But thirdly, I had to make sure that old areas underground would not um, just explode because there's something underground called spontaneous combustion, where what happens is because of all the different um, um, just chemicals and things underground, gases, what happens is when gases start to mix, it raises the temperature, and what happens, you get instantaneous combustion. It'll just start to burn. Suddenly, there'll just be a big ball of fire. That's what you're going to experience. I really feel that. Like, one day, you will, while worshiping like what you're doing, the spontaneity, the spontaneity of God is going to spark the gases of faith. And suddenly this place will be a ball of flame. And the next thing that will happen is the fire brigade will come because they'll see fire coming out of the building. Amen. Come on. And people will start to say that place is on fire. And do you know that it actually happened in Australia, in New Zealand? Did it happen here? The fire brigade came. Hallelujah. Why not again? Why not continuous? Amen, come on, just continuous, I'm, I'm telling you, so, you're so close, amen, come on, we need to just drive around Bradford for the next couple of days, so stay in the vicinity, amen, come on, praise God, I get excited, and so I just felt that God was giving the house a scepter, and the scepter is a scepter of authority, the same scepter that the king, um, um, Isaiah, handed and stretched out his arm to Esther and said, what is your desire? And I really feel that you need to start to step into that place where you start telling God, the desire for this house 
is to become a house of revival. Amen. Come on. Um, and, uh, you know, it's amazing that you've been, God has prepared you for such a time as this because I want to speak about um, Deborah movement. I believe I was amazed. I went on Facebook today and there's a number of people speaking about the, the Deborah movement. And I've been speaking about it, and so I just feel that's confirmation. But before I get into what I'm going to speak about tonight, a couple of weeks ago, God gave me a word, and He said, you know, we've come to a place, and I've never used a word like this before. This is not in my vocab. I mean, I'm, I'm not that clued up on, on verbiage. But He said to me, I'm bringing the church out of liminal space. Liminal space. And I went in to study the word liminal, and the word liminal means a place that's not inhabited. In other words, it means threshold and space. In other words, an empty space. Now, let me explain this to you. I believe before COVID, how many of you know that we were doing all sorts of stuff, things were happening, you know, life was normal, and then we, now we are in post-COVID, and I believe there's still spaces that people haven't taken hold of. They've vacated certain areas. We've abdicated our authority. We've abdicated areas. We haven't stepped in. It's like the church has gone underground. Amen. Have you sensed that? We don't see big moves of God anymore. You know, the guys that are out there doing the same stuff, the same speakers, same stuff. But suddenly, I really feel that the church is going to come and fill this liminal space. And cities and nations will be born again in a day. I'm telling you, we're going to see a move of God that's unprecedented on the earth. Just because we've been in a cycle of, you know, no man's land. How many of you know that when Elijah built the altar? And that was another word the Lord said to me tonight was while you were worshiping, he said, as they build the altar, they will have a Carmel Mountain experience here. But as he built that altar, how many of you know that Elijah had to build the altar? He had to fill the liminal space that Ahab and Jezebel had created. They created the space in the life of the Israelites or the life of the people living in that area. They took away worship. They took away their, their faith, and everybody was walking around like they were zombies, because how many of you know Elijah came to the people and said, how, how long will you limp between two opinions? And it said, and the people could not answer him a word. They couldn't answer him. And so Elijah had to rebuild the altar. How many of you remember that? Go and read it. It says he built, rebuilt the altar of the Lord, and he was an old man, and he must have been in his late 70s, early 80s. And it says that he broke down the altar and rebuilt, rebuilt the altar of the Lord. In other words, for many, many years, that, that nation experienced liminal space. I want to tell you, that's a word you need to go and study. And God says you've got to start to break the, the law of liminal space. You've got to break the law of where the enemy has kept us out of areas, we've abdicated our authority. Now God says, I want you to possess the land. Go in and possess the land. Be like a Isaac in the valley of Gerar. You know what the, the, the word Gerar means? I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Gerar. 
Am I pronouncing it right, all you scholars? It says that Isaac went into the valley of Gerar, and it says that he went after the wells that his father had dug. But when you study the word Gerar, it actually means two things. It means to inhabit, but it also means warfare. God says, I want you to inhabit the city, but it means that you're going to go into some warfare. You're going to step into some warfare. In other words, you're going to have to take your sword out and you have to cut some things up. You can't abdicate your authority. You can't just walk around and say, oh, wow, that's cool. The worship that happened in that moment tonight, I believe, raised the flag over the city. I'm telling you, a marker has been set in your city. Yes, thank you for your enthusiasm. And so tonight, and the reason why I'm speaking about the liminal space is that I believe we're going to start to see movements. We're going to start to see amazing ministries being raised up in the season. And this morning, I said something while I was praying for some people, I think for some of those, that one family with all the daughters, and I felt the Lord say, this is going to be the year of the woman. And all the women said, thank you, Jesus. And I believe that there's a Deborah movement being awakened on the earth. And so many people, now listen, many people were speaking about the Esther anointing. Many people were speaking, how many of you remember the, you know, the Daniel anointing, the Joshua anointing? And uh, it was very exciting. And I think we're revisiting that whole thing again, but nobody, nobody taught the people about the price of that anointing. There's a price you carry. Amen. People come to me and say, how do you do what you do? Because I'm traveling. I've been traveling since the 3rd of May. I haven't been home since the 3rd of May. And I want to tell you, many people don't understand the price that you and I are going to start to have to pay in the years ahead. It's not just going to come easy come, easy go. We're going to have to pay a price. You've got to start to understand in the season if we want to take land and we want to bring and take territory, you're going to have to pay a price. You're going to have to lay down some things. You're going to have to take up the cross of Jesus. Amen. Come on. I've seen it all around the world. I've been to 54 nations, and I've seen it all around the world where we speak about different anointings. We speak about different mantles. We want all sorts of exciting things to happen, but nobody teaches us how to pay. What is the cost involved? Amen. Come on. We title it. We name it. But we don't sit down and count the cost. How many of you know that there's a verse in the Bible that says if you want to build a strong tower or build a tower, you've got to sit down and count the cost. Amen. Come on. The cost involved in this new season is going to be life. Amen. Come on. See, we don't want to hear that because we think, well, I come out of Bible school, everything's going to be hunky-dory. Okie-dokie, let's just go and build a church. No, I want to tell you that we've come into a season where we've got to sit down and count the cost. We've got to be able to articulate the next season. Are you articulate? Are you thinking this stuff through? Amen. Come on. We've seen a Ruth movement. We've seen an Esther movement. But I believe that this is a season, and by the way, this is not just a woman's message. This is a men's message. This is for men and women to understand 
the seriousness of the moment that God is applying something in our lives. He wants us to embrace this move of God on the earth like never before. Amen. Come on. And so God said to me, he said this to me, it's time that we will see. This is a time that we'll see Deborah's arise. We'll see a movement on the earth so passionate and so full of the fire and the power of God that it will touch all the mountains of influence. How many of you know that we have seven prominent mountains of influence? The mountain of government, the mountain of family, the mountain of education, the mountain of arts, the mountain of media, the mountain of commerce, the mountain of family. We're going to see the fire of God fall on these mountains again, and we're going to see God move these things into place where the church will no longer abdicate their authority, but they'll take back their authority, and once again, nations will come to the glory and the light of the church. How many of you believe that? I believe that. Before Jesus comes back, there's going to be an absolute change in the legislation. Now, let me just say this about legislation. I believe that what we're going to see in this season, we're going to see a Deborah movement awaken. Or let me just say this. We're going to see a Deborah movement that's literally going to change legislation on the earth. We're going to see legislation rewritten on the earth. We're going to see cities and nations come into the kingdom. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to the Word of God. Let's go to Judges because there's only two, de um, only two chapters written about this amazing woman called um, Deborah. Amen. Chapter 4 and chapter 5. And we see it here. And it's amazing because a lot of people have not really understood this lady Deborah. We think about her sitting underneath a, a palm tree, but we've got to understand the mantle that she actually carried. She carried a mantle. How many of you need a mantle? We need mantles in the season. We need the anointing, but we need a mantle. Amen, come on. That's like the coronation of the king. He didn't just get a, a crown, he got a mantle. He got a scepter. Amen. He got, the, he, got the, he got the authority to wear the ring. So it's all about not just having the anointing and the gift, but it's understanding the authority. In other words, we step into our ecclesia, ecclesia anointing. How many of you know that we are the ecclesia? What does that mean? How many of you have never heard of the word ecclesia? How many of you have heard of the word ecclesia? How many of you have never heard of the word ecclesia? Some of you haven't put your hand up. What does the word ecclesia mean? The ecclesia. The ecclesia. That's the right pronunciation. The ecclesia means we are the government of God. We're the called out ones. We're the separated ones. We're the ones that carry the anointing of God. We're the ones that carry the, the authority of God. We, we're the government of God. Amen. Come on. The government of God has to be reestablished on the earth. And so when we look at this amazing mantle, we don't understand it, but I'm going to give you some things that Deborah was. Deborah operated in, this, in the following anointing. She was a songwriter. She was a worship leader. She was a judge. She was a military leader, and she was a seer. All those things combined gave her the, the, the position of being somebody that governed at the gates of her city. We've given the gates of, the, of our city away. 
we've given our gates of our nation away. Amen. Come on. It's not who governs the mountain. It's who governs the gates. And I want to tell you something. We've got to start to govern the gates of our hearts. We've got to start to govern the gates of our minds. We've got to start to govern the gates of those mountains that I spoke about. Amen. Come on. Who's governing your gates? In other words, who's governing your ear gate, your eye gate, your mouth gate, your emotional gate, all those things that you have going on in your life. Who's presenting or pre uh, representing God in your life? If you're not representing God in your life, who is? Who's guarding the gates? It's like the church has given up the gates. And I remember in the days that I was saved in Cape Town, we'd walk around Cape Town and Fishhook and False Bay and all those areas, if you know South Africa at all, and we'd go to all the gates of the city and we'd pour salt and oil on the road and we'd pray and we'd intercede. And we said, God, nobody's going to come across the gates of our city. But what we've done in this, in this time or this society is we just open the gates to everybody. Come on. And so let's go and see in Judges chapter 4, verse 4, because how many of you know that Israel was consistently doing evil in the sight of the Lord? They just consistently went through the cycle of evil and evil and evil. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Hashor Hagim. I can't even pronounce these words. It sounds like Danish. Verse 3, then the Israelites cried to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron and had severely oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Now listen to what happens. Now Deborah, say that with me. Now Deborah, this is chapter 4, verse um, 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lipidoth. You know what the word Lipidoth means? Can you imagine being married to a man called Lipidoth? Hello, Mr. Lipidoth. How are you doing, sir? Well, guess what? Lipidoth means lightning. So Mrs. Thunder was married to Mr. Lightning, and they created no lightning bolts. His name actually means lightning bolt. See, this is not just about some passive man that was married to a mighty woman of God. This was a, a, a couple that were full of power and anointing. Amen. Come on. We need some alpha males to arise, but we need some alpha females to arise. We need Mr. and Mrs. Thunder to arise. We need you to take your position at the gate. Are you hearing me tonight? I know you're British, but you've got to become a little bit more passionate. Because I've read, let me tell you, I've read the biography of Winston Churchill, and that dude wasn't passive. So I don't know where they get this whole thing about, oh, the British are just so nice and polite, and we like our cucumber sandwiches. No, there's something about your history. There's something about an apostolic legacy on your nation. And you've got to go and redig the wells. And you've got to go and say, no, we're going to become like a Deborah nation. Amen. Come on. And then it says, yeah, listen, listen, it gets gooder. It says, yeah, um, 
Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Libeth, judged Israel at the time. She sat under a palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up for her to her for judgment. In other words, when you read this, this whole story, and I'm just going to give you four different principles on the life of Deborah. Number one, she was devoted to God. You've got to start to go back and say, God, how devoted am I to you? Not to my ministry, not to my vocational um, experience or my job or whatever it is. Am I, first of all, devoted to God and His righteousness? What is the plumb line in my life that's causing me to take ground? Do I have the plumb line of righteousness and holiness and purity and truth and integrity in my life? Amen. What does the plumb line mean? It means that you're not going to go off track and find all sorts of other gods and mix your faith with everybody else's persuasion of what they think you should be believing, but you are true to the core in terms of the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. In other words, no one's going to move you around. You're not going to move the goalposts and not move and compromise, and we're just going to embrace all these other things. You have got to be true in the season. If you're on the government mountain of government, you've got to have the plumb line of the Holy Ghost in you. I'm telling you. Amen. Come on. And I've seen so many politicians. We work with politicians in our city. We have, uh, we have audience with our, um, with our um, a governor of our states. We have governors in all the states. I've had the privilege of actually ministering to two governors in two different states. One, with, one of them was Sarah Palin. I'm sure you've heard of Sarah Palin. She was the governor of Alaska, and then I ministered to the governor of Hawaii, and it was such a privilege. But you know what? I didn't come with some little washed down, worked out, passive little thing. I came in there, and I gave them heaven. Amen, come on. And what your society needs is they need some Debras to arise in the season that's going to bring the judgment of God in terms of the Word of God to them, display the power of the Word of God in such a way that the gates become protected again. The integrity of the city is your responsibility. We've just given up the integrity of the city. And we just... We have now found our little enclaves called church, and this is where we hang, and nobody knows we are. We become like a secret organization. You're not the 007 of the world. The 007s. I'm a 007. Amen. I'm a secret agent of Jesus. Where do you read that? And so we go through this thing, and we realize that she was devoted to God. Number two, she was devoted to her family. Say that with me, devoted to her family. She was committed. In other words, she was married to a man called Labadoth, which means lightning flashes. Can you imagine when these two people got together, all the activity around their life? And by the way, if you read this and you do studies in the different commentaries, do you realize that when she calls out, it says she actually went out and she calls out to Barak. She sent and called Barak, son of Abinam. Do you realize that Labadoth and Barak are the same people? Come on, man. When you study this out, you realize that the captain of the army of Israel and her husband was the same man. Just do some study. You'll find it. It was amazing. So not only was this guy a good, you know, a good father, but this guy was the captain of the army of Israel. 
And I believe there's a clarion call going out across the nation for men and women to arise in the season to take back what people have abdicated. We've, we've, got, we've given away our families. Right now in America, there is war on about families. School boards have brought all sorts of trash and filth into the schools. Now, the fathers and mothers have to fight school boards because the church was sleeping. Amen, come on. We've got to start to arise in the season and say, God, we thank you that we're going to be devoted to our family. And she sets the standard. Amen, come on. And she, and she sent and called Barak, son of Abanim, from Kadesh. And she said to him, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 men from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun, and I will draw out Caesarea, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you at the river of Kishon with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into your hand. Why do you think she was committed to see this enemy fall? I'll tell you why she was committed. Because she was committed to her family. She was devoted to God. Come on. Amen. Come on. Something needs to rise up on the inside of you. You've got to realize that we cannot go through cycles of compromise consistently in a nation because complacency equals lukewarmness. And when you have lukewarmness, you have complicity. And that means the enemy comes in anytime he wants and takes over. You've got to start building the walls of your city again. Amen. Come on. You've got to say, this is going to be a season. And I pray that this Deborah movement happens quickly. Amen. Come on. That people will not lose their voice. How many of you know that the year of COVID, what was that? 2021. 2020. Do you know that 2020 was the year of the mouth? It was the year of the mouth in the Hebrew calendar. Guess what they try to do? They try to cover your mouth. So we lost our ability to speak. And God says, I'm going to give back the voice of the church. The church is going to get her voice back. You're going to get your voice back, brother. You're going to get your voice back. You're going to start to speak the word of the Lord. You're going to start to declare those things that you've desired. You have an amazing teaching anointing on your life. You're going to start to stir it up. Stir up the teaching anointing. Stir up the teaching. Stir up the voice of God. Stir up the prophetic. How many of you are prophetic just in this area? No, put all up, put your hands up. Say, I'm prophetic. Come on, put your hand up. Say, I'm a prophetic voice in the season. I'm prophetic in the season. I'm going to be prophetic. I'm going to be speaking the word of the Lord. Amen. Come on. My mouth is going to be like Thor's hammer. And I'm going to speak the word of the Lord. And I'm going to smash down principalities and powers. Amen. With my voice. With my mouth. Amen. Come on. And so she started to put things into strategic order. You see, there's a strategy that God wants to bring the church, but we've not understood strategic order. Strategy on the earth has to be born again, has to come back into the church. We don't have any strategy. We do two songs, we have a little preach, we drink some, a cup of tea, and we all go home. But nobody's speaking about strategy. And in these meetings, God is going to start to give you strategy. Amen, come on. I need strategy. You need strategy by the Spirit. And so when you go on reading, it, it says, and it says, and I will draw him out, and I will draw him out, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you do not go with me, I will not go. In other words, this guy understood something about Deborah. She must have had a reputation. 
Amen. Come on. She must have had a reputation of some sort because he said, if you're not going to go, I'm not going to go. But if you go, I'll go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the trip you take will not be for your glory. For the Lord, uh, it says, for the Lord will sell Caesarea into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. And when you look at the next part of her life, so she was, number one, she was devoted to God. That's the key right there. You've got to start to reestablish your relationship with Jesus. You've got to reestablish your relationship with the Lord. You've got to reestablish your assignment in this season. You've got to reestablish the wells. You've got to reestablish your worship life. You've got to reestablish your prayer life. You've got to reestablish those things. You can't just go through life and say, well, everybody else is going to pray. A church this size needs everybody praying. Come on. Everybody needs to be praying. Everybody needs to show up for prayer. That's how you're going to take the land. Because in those prayer meetings, that's when strategy will come. That's when vision will come. That's when prophetic words will be released. That's when some of you should be scribing and listening. What is God saying? What is the navigational map that God's giving the church in the season? Amen. Come on. How are we going to take the city is an important thing. You've got to know how to take the city. Amen. Come on. How are you going to bring your family back into a place of supernatural growth? How are you going to touch the government? You can't just go off legislative history that you know about. You've got to say, God, you've got to show us how to take this nation. What do we have to bring back into alignment? What idols need to be broken down? Do I need to act like a Gideon in this nation and pull down some Asher poles? Amen. Come on. So we've got to have strategy in this season. Number two, you've got to be devoted to your family. There must be something surely in your life that you are contending for. What are you contending for in this season? Are you contending for your marriage? Are you contending for your grandchildren? Are you contending for your husband? Are you contending for your city? No, no, put your hand up if you're contending for your husband. Who are you contending for? Just because he's saved doesn't mean you don't have to contend for him. Amen. Come on. What are you? I'm contending for Italy right now. I was in Italy last year. We were together in Italy. And God said to me, Italy needs to be saved. Walked around Rome and I sobbed and wept. And I said, God, what happened? And he said, because they have forsaken me, I have turned my back on them. But I'm looking for a remnant of people. In Italy, and I'll turn the nation back to me again. Come on. Don't you believe that Italy is an ancient well? Don't you believe that England is an ancient well? Don't you believe that Asia is an ancient well? All these wells lay dormant right now because the remnant is sleeping. God said to me, the, the Pharaohs are dreaming, the Nebuchadnezzars are dreaming, but the Daniels and the Josephs are sleeping. Come on, we've got to rise up. You've got to start to pray and say, God, I thank you for the Deborah anointing that's coming on me today, tonight, this week. God, I want to start to contend for my nation. What, what strategy do I need to see a nation healed? Amen? Come on. And so, number three, Deborah was devoted to her country. She was devoted to her country. She said, enough's enough. We can't go through cycles of evil. Amen? Come on. And it says, and Deborah said to Barak, up. 
For this is the day when the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Is not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from my table with 10,000 men. And the Lord confused and terrified Sisera and all his chariot drivers and all his army before Barak with a sword. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued him. It's time for you to start to pursue some things. These young men sitting here tonight, I'm telling you, God's going to give you a heart for your generation. I don't care what they call you, millennia. You know, I can't stand all the words we call people. Generation X, Generation Z, Z, P, Pat, Poop. I don't know what they call people anymore. No, you're a generation that needs to be awoken by the Spirit of God. We need these young men and women to arise but guess what? They're looking for models. They're looking for mentors. They're looking for spiritual fathers and mothers. And if you are a spiritual father, if you're anything above 55 and you're passive, shame on you. Because these people need, a, they need an example. When I walk into this church and I meet people like Pastor Lillian and Abe, and Pastor Abe, it's like, yes! Wow! It's what, it's 76? They're running the race. They, they understand their assignment. Come on. That's a generational blessing. And it goes right out the whole organization. If you've ever met uh, Apostle Peter DeFin, if you've met any of the DeFin family, the church, I've preached there. I've preached for Apostle Peter. I'm telling you, there's fire there. There's an anointing there. there. There's things happening. There's strategy. There's vision. Amen. Come on. There's prophetic. There's worship. They're starting churches all over South Africa. Come on. And God says, that is the legacy that you have. And you've got to study say, no, we're not going to allow that legacy to die and just say, oh, wow, this is a great place to come into. You've got to say, God, I thank you that I'm devoted to my family. I'm devoted to God, but I'm devoted to my nation. Because when she heard about the oppression that was going on, her heart was filled with concern and, and, and she, was, she was moved with this, this desire to see her nation saved. She rallied the people against God's enemies. Amen, come on. You've got many enemies here. You've got to start to be alert. You've got to start to be alert in this season. Don't just embrace everything. Amen, come on. You're a separated people. We don't just take on all these different cultures. You've got to be alert. You've got to be wide awake. You've got to be discerning in this season. Amen, come on. You've got to be discerning. Number four, Deborah was confident in God's word. She received the word of the Lord. And that's what happens. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I actually spoke on at a school when I was teaching, I spoke on the critical role of the prophet in the season. And I want you to hear me out here. And I said to the people there, the students, there was probably 130 people there. I said to them, you've got to discern the difference between the gift of prophecy and the office of the prophet. Just because you did a prophetic school and got a certificate doesn't mean you're a prophet. And everybody's running around prophesying and they don't have a clue in what they're doing. We've got to realize that when you keep on speaking about the prophet as something that's just willy-nilly, we actually do more damage 
to the authority of that office. Amen, come on. So if you're not a prophet, stop telling people that you are. You may be prophetic, and all of us in this room should be able to prophesy by the Spirit of God because we have the gift of prophecy or we receive a word by the Spirit of God to move prophetically. But there's a big difference between the office and the, and the gift. Are you hearing me? Ephesians 4, those gifts were given by Jesus. In Corinthians, those gifts were given by the Holy Spirit. So we've got to start to discern these things. And Deborah was confident in the word she received. So this, what does that mean? It means that you and I have to go into our prayer chamber, into our prayer closet, into our prayer room, and hear the word of the Lord about your nation. And so when we come out of those times of prayer and intimacy with Jesus, we actually have a navigational map. We actually have some strategy. We're not just firing shotguns into the air, but now we become snipers and we're actually speaking very decisively and intentionally over certain things in our city. Amen. Come on. We have a strategy. We have a navigational plan. We have a warfare plan. When I was in the military, I was in the military for eight years. We didn't go into battle without sitting around the table for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. It was like after a while, I was like, guys, are you really serious? I want to do some war. Amen. I was just one of those guys like, come on, can we go to battle now? Can we go and do some fighting? See, the church has lost the appetite for warfare. We just want to sing Kumbaya. Let's cook some marshmallows around the fire. Hallelujah. You've got to grow an appetite for war. You've got to realize this is not the peace boat. This is not the peace corps. Be ready in season and out of season. Be strategic in your thinking. She knew that they had to do something. They had to go on the, is it the offensive or defensive? They had to go on the offensive. They had to step up and say, hey, you know what? That guy thinks he's, he's won the day, but we are going to meet him in the valley in Kidron, and we're going to destroy him. In the name, he didn't expect him there. He didn't expect ten, not, not even. He, that guy had a hundred thousand troops. Barak had ten thousand troops, but they had the faith of God, they had the vision of God, and they had the prophetic word of God. And when you have the promises of God, nothing can stand in front of you. But it takes some people to rise up, and it took Deborah to get off her seat and say to Barak, Barak, I'm going to meet you. I'll go with you. Let's do some damage. Amen. And that's the movement I believe God's going to bring. Because what happened, let me tell you what happened. How many of you remember the Jesus movement? My wife was born again in the Jesus movement. She was like a hippie. I wouldn't say that to her, but she was like a hippie. Amen? When I met her, she was like, she was hippie-ish. Some of you older girls sitting here, you know what I'm talking about. She used to wear bell bottoms, and when I got married, she had to have flowers in her hair and all that type of stuff. Amen, come on. Dee's a little older than me, but I wouldn't tell her that publicly, but she is a little older than me, and so she was a little hipperish. And so, um, uh, and so uh, when everybody got saved during the Jesus movement, which was great, how many of you realized that in that season when people were getting saved, people were speaking about the rapture? So what happened, a lot of the professional people 
like doctors and lawyers and politicians and everybody that got saved during the Jesus movement, what they did was they, they abdicated the mountain because everybody thought that Jesus was going to come back on Wednesday. So they abdicated the mountains of influence, and guess what happened? All the, the, all the, 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 the left people, all the woke people, all the weird people, all the, the people that didn't love Jesus, all the atheists, all the people that resented God took those positions. Amen, come on. So all those positions of influence were taken by the wrong people while the church celebrated the coming of Jesus. Amen, come on. Now, that, now listen, you, listen, this is a criticism. I'm actually criticizing it. Because although thousands and thousands of people were, were saved, which was great, we abdicated positions of authority. We stepped away from the gates. We stepped away from those places that we needed to protect. Now what we have to do is get back to protect the gates. That's why we need you young ladies back in that position of authority. Amen, come on. That's why we need you to be prophesying. That's why we need you back at Bible school. That's why we need you, not, don't become philo, you know, philosophy. Please don't hold on to philosophy. I meet a lot of young people that go to Bible school and then they come back backslidden. Please don't backslide at Bible school. Amen. You keep the fire burning, honey. Amen. And if you're not happy with that Bible school, call me. We'll get you to a right Bible school. Because I meet so many young people that embrace philosophy. And they go to Bible school and they full on for Jesus. But when they come back, they're as cold as dead geese. There's no life in them. Amen. Come on. And so when I look at this, I realize that she was confident in her God. She was confident in the strategic prophetic word that she received. She had to respond because this was a moment in the history of Israel that they could not lose. They couldn't lose the moment. They couldn't squander the moment. And many of you in this sitting, in this, on, on, in this building tonight, are going to start to experience moments where God is going to come in your life and He's going to come and set you free from things that, have, that have, you have had to battle with. You've had to battle. What's your name? Sam, you've had to battle with some things. It's like you've had to battle with all sorts of emotional stresses and all sorts of things that have come against you. And sometimes you've not understood the church and sometimes you've not understood the things about God. And sometimes you think God's just going to beat you over the head with a big stick. But I want to tell you tonight, Sam, that God wants you to know that he loves you and cares for you. And he's going to come into your heart and he's going to set you free. And I just see like, you know, when you go to a, a um, when you, I almost said when you go to a, a psychopath. No, that's not what I wanted to say. When you go to um, a chiropractor, what does a chiropractor do? He fixes your back. But what does he have to do to fix your back? He has to bring it back into alignment. And I just see God wants to bring you back into alignment. There's so many things in your life that's been like out of alignment. Are you born again? Is that your wife? Hold hands. God wants to bring some things back into alignment, guys. What's your name? Lydia, there's been such a desire in your lives. It's like, God, it's like there's been warfare and warfare and warfare, and you don't understand some things. And I just felt that the Lord's saying, I'm going to bring you out of this place of barrenness. 
into a place of supernatural breakthrough in your life. There will be no barrenness here in Jesus' name. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I just felt this whole thing in your life has been about, Lord, when are we going to see the desires of our heart? When are we going to see things break through in our life? When are we? And it's like you feel like, Lord, there's just been this barrenness. And I just felt the Lord saying, I am going to start to do some things with you physically, emotionally, and spiritually in this season that's going to astound the people that have given you those reports about what you, they thought you can't have. Amen. Come on, and that's the big battle that you've been battling with. I wonder if God loves us. I wonder if God's forsaken us. Have we done anything wrong? And God says, you've done nothing wrong. I'm going to come into your life, and I'm going to show you that I'm a God of promise, and I'm a God of breakthrough. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. So you get into agreement with God this week. Get into agreement with heaven and say, God, I thank you. Sometimes you feel like Hannah. Have you, you know the story about Hannah? Do you know the story about Hannah? Hannah went to the Lord and said, if you gave me a son, I'll call him Samuel. And God says, I'm an, I've heard you. Because there's been times that you've, God heard you like Hannah. You cried out to the Lord and said, God, when? Amen. Is that right? What's happening here? You're you waiting, you trusting God for a child? What's happening? What's going on here? Because I just feel that you've been in this season where there's been a lot of different conflict. There's just this conflict and conflict and conflict. And God says, I'm going to restore. Restore. Your stepdad died. Was he born again? Well, he's running on the streets of gold. And that's the thing. That's the hope. The hope is that he's running. He's there. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Amen. But I just felt this whole thing about barrenness has when things like that happen, the enemy jumps on those moments and he tries to speak barrenness. He tries to speak all sorts of condemnation and fear and anxiety. You need to start rejoicing because the Bible says, death, where is thy sting? Amen, come on. If he was born again right at the end of his life, it means it does. Listen to me, even if he gave his life to Jesus five seconds before he passed on, he's at the feet of Jesus. And that's the joy that we have. Amen, come on. But I'm telling you, God's gonna start giving you, this brother sitting right here, God's gonna start giving you strategy about what I'm speaking about. There's some of you guys sitting here, they're gonna start receiving strategy from heaven. You're gonna start sensing that you have been given the responsibility to change legislation spiritually over your city. Amen, come on. We can change legislation. That's what Deborah did. She prayed, she sought God, she interceded, and then she went to war. Amen, come on. And some of you are going to start to see legislation changed over the city. You've been here long enough, and I just feel the Lord saying, I'm going to start giving some things into your hands. I saw leaders in the city, governmental leaders, they're going to start knocking on your door, and you're going to start having more and more and more meetings with local government officials in your city. They're going to start calling on you as a church and as a leadership. You've got to be ready. Amen. Come on. You've got to be ready. Let me give you another strategy that came out of the whole story with Deborah. Do you know what we're doing as a church? Do you know what we've done? We've created a governmental ministry team, and we are now having people running for government in our church. Come on, that's how serious we are. 
That sounds so, no, number one, we've got a lady that's just been elected into the school board, into our local school board, and she's changing legislation. We now have a guy in our church that's running for mayor for one of the largest parts of our city, North Charleston. He's running for mayor. We've got a lady in our church, two or three, that are running for Congress, that are going to become senators in our nation. We believe the church needs to step step up and take back what the enemy has stolen. Come on, you've got to start to think out of the box. Because today, if you say to people in church, well, you know what, you should be in politics, we laugh. <laughs> That's a bad laugh, but we laugh. What are you doing in this nation? What are you doing in this city? What are you doing to change things in your city? How are you going to change legislation in your city, brother? Because what I see on your life, I see like ministry, I see business, and I see government. That's what I see. It's like God wants to give you a blank check. Some of you sitting here are going to start to receive blank checks from heaven. And God says, I'm going to give you, I'm telling you, this is the year that you've got to start to say, God, we're not just going to go for this territory or that. I'm speaking to that couple that are running and getting into business and I mean into government. God says, you've got to start to understand the territory that I'm about to give you is going to go beyond your understanding. You've got to start to say, God, you've got to take a map of the region um, and you've got to build a vision board and you've got to start to put it on a map with little flags and say, from this moment on, we're going to pray for this territory and this region and this region and this region and this. And we're going to start praying for benefactors to come in to give you money so that you can do what you need to do. Come on, man. You're going to get real. So let me just land this thing. You've got to, listen to me. You've got to embrace the mantle of Deborah in this season. You've got to embrace your mantle. You've got to embrace your authority. You've got to start to embrace it and say, God, yes, I'm born again, but we've got to move from a convert mentality to a leadership mentality. We've got to move from a convert mentality to a leadership mentality. We've got to start to ask God, amen, come on, what is your mantle? What is your mantle? Let me read this in chapter five. Once they went there, it says, let me just, I mean, you can read the whole chapter four, but it says that, and behold, let me just read this, verse 19, and he said to, verse 18, and Jehel went out to meet Caesarea and said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me, have no fear. So he turned aside to her in the tent. And she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, give me, I pray you, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and asks you, is there any man here, tell him no. But Jehel, Herba's wife, took a tent pen and a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the pin through his temple. It's in the Bible. And it says, and he was in a deep sleep from where he is, so he died. Let me tell you something. It's time to smash the head of the serpent. It's time for a generation of men and women to rise up in the season, take the pen of the Holy Ghost or take the pen of the Word, the hammer of the Holy Spirit, and smash it through the thing's head. You've got to destroy the head of the serpent over your nation. You've got to arise up in the season. And that's why I believe there's a generation of prophetic people coming forth that will start to speak the word of the Lord over their nation. Amen. Come on. 
The high places need to come down. I got a word from one of our intercessors that live in Florida this afternoon, and he said, tell the church that I'm going to start to give her victory over the high places in the city. Somebody that doesn't even know who you are. Don't be content with the high places. Now listen, verse five, um, chapter 5. First verse, then sang Deborah and Barak. They sang. On that day, saying, for the leaders who took the lead, see, there's somebody that has to take the lead in Israel, for the people who offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear. O princes, I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praises to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went forth out of Seir, when you marched out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens also dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked at the presence of the Lord. Yet, yes, um, yonder Sinai and the presence of the God of Israel after the days of Shamgah. And she, and she goes into this whole thing about just this worship. And, but at the end of the day, you've got to understand that Deborah listened to the Lord. She gave heed to the word of the Lord. And they saw victory over their nation because they were prepared to pay the price. So number one, she was a prophetess. In other words, it speaks of strategy. How many of you need strategy right now? Number two, she loved her nation. She was devoted to God. She was a, and it, so it goes on. So what I'm saying is there's a movement coming on the earth, and it's not gonna be a movement of peace. Come on, man. It's not going to be a movement of peace. We all speak in peace, 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 peace. There will be no peace until Jesus comes. In actual fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. That may shock some of us, a little religious, a little salad. God says, I didn't come to bring peace. I actually came to bring division. And what's the division about? Darkness and light. Amen. And so, Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you. I want you to lay hands on yourself. Lay hands on yourself. Start to proclaim. Start to ask God. Heal me, O God. Restore me, O God. Help me, O God. Let me see myself. Lord, give me strategy. Am I devoted to you? Am I devoted to my nation? Am I devoted to my family? Am I devoted enough to lay down my life? Am I devoted, God? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Will I heal? Will I... Well, I heed the word of the Lord because some of you are going to start to hear things from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is going to start to come on some of you in this season. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. To say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that my mind comes into line with your word. That my mind, my mind will come into alignment. My mind will come into alignment. Thank you, Lord, that my spirit, and my mind will come into alignment. That there will be a supernatural, um, um, it's like the, your mind will not be in enmity with your spirit. To say, I have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I won't default back to what's comfortable. I won't default back to what comfort it's, I call it comfort Christianity. But Lord, today I will take up the mantle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
How many of you are sitting here tonight and you've heard what I was speaking, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus? In other words, you've been to church, but you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior. Who's that? Come on, let's be bold tonight. Be bold. You've been to church, but you don't know who Jesus is. Who's that? Come. Just come out here. Who else? Come. Just come. We're going to do this publicly. We're not going to just do this covertly. If you're sitting here tonight and you don't know who Jesus is, you've heard about Jesus, you've heard people speak about Jesus, but you've never received Jesus. You've never asked Jesus into your life. And you so long to have a relationship with Him. Who's that? There's, more, there's, there's some more people here. You've never received Jesus as your Savior. Come quickly. Just come. Just come. Thank you, Jesus. Because I just felt when I walked in tonight that Jesus wanted to touch your life. I actually asked somebody there. I said, do you know that lady? They said, no, we don't know who she is. It's okay. What's your name? It's time to get healed. It's time to know that Jesus wants to bring total life and healing and peace and joy. Amen. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you rose again for me. And tonight by faith, tonight by faith, by faith, faith, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've washed me and cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. Un unrighteousness. You've washed me and cleansed me. Lord Jesus, thank you that from this moment I will serve you. I'm telling you, this is so beautiful to see because it's not just about you. It's about everybody else that you have connection with that needs to be healed, that needs to be restored. Amen. Father God, we thank you. Just touch her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we thank you. Listen to me. If you sitting here tonight and you felt while I was speaking that you've said, God, I desire with all of my heart to step into that Deborah anointing. If that's you, I want you to stand quickly. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, grab her by the hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lay hands on your body because we're going to speak. We're now going to speak a, what we call a corporate anointing, a corporate mantle. You can't stay the same. You, you've got to realize these types of messages are strategic in this season. God's giving you strategy. You've got to start to name some things that are coming up in your spirit. I can identify with this. I'm either an Elijah in the season 
or I'm a Daniel in the season, or I'm a Peter in the season, or I'm a Paul in the season, but God, I want to identify with this mantle. Amen. I just saw in your lives, this couple, I just felt that you guys have paid a massive price. And I feel that in this season, in this year, you are going to start reaping what you sowed. Because a lot of people don't understand the price of the oil that you carry. You carry a great price. The oil you carry is of great worth. And people will never know the footpath you took to get here. The things that you had to forsake. The things that you had to turn your back on. So Jesus, we thank you for her, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And you've been saying, Lord, will I ever see it? Will I ever see the double honor? Will I ever see the restoration? Will I ever see, Lord, the double recompense? And God says, daughter, know that I will give you double recompense in this season. And the double recompense that you will see and that you'll experience is your family serving God. That's what you will see. It may not come from the nation you left, but it may become part of the nation you're part of, in your children, in your son and your daughter. That's where you'll see the greatest, the greatest harvest of your sacrifice will be in their lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, are you born again? You going to Bible school? You part of this church? Come on. You've got to start. You've got to stay. Because I'm telling you, I said this this morning. Come out here. I said this this morning. I want that guy behind the piano to come here. Ronald, Ronnie, come. Come, come, come up here. If you are between the ages of 21 and 25 or 26, come. Well, how old are you? Come. Rest of you can be seated. Come, all these young people, come stand up here. Let's say between the ages of 16 and 25, come, quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, this is not the time for the rest of you to be speaking now. You need to sit down, all the rest of you sit down, come, come. Come on, come, come, come. Yes, yes, you're just tall enough, you just come. Thank you, Jesus. What's your name? Josh? You born again? You need to get saved. Hold my hand. You need to get saved. Your life is in a mess. You're living in a place of absolute turmoil and emotional stress. Come on, church. I want you to reach out your hand to him. God wants you healed. God wants you healed. And the only way you'll get healed, my, my dear brother, is to receive Christ. That's the only hope. There's no other hope. Because you're longing, you are longing for something that will never be fulfilled. We were all in the world. All of us in this room came out of the world. Broken. Deceived. Anxious. 
There's some of us in this room that try to commit suicide. There's some of us in this room that turn to all sorts of different things. When I saw you tonight, the Lord said, tell him I love him. More than anybody else can love him. And his love is unconditional. Because all the love you sought is always based on conditions. And tonight he wants to set you free from a lie. Just a lie. So I want you to pray this prayer if you're serious about your life. Are you serious about your life? Then you need to receive life. And the only one that you can receive life from is Jesus. Amen. Come on. What are you doing with all the beautiful creative ideas you have? What are you doing with the creative anointing that you have? God wants to get you out of the cave that you're living in right now. Depression. So I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. Open your eyes. Look at me right in my eyes. Say, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you rose again for me. And tonight, by faith, I receive you. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my friend, my Lord, and my Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my life and break off every lie associated with my identity. Lord Jesus, I give you back everything that I've given to the devil. I give back to you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, for your mercy and your grace in my life. Amen. Come on. Give God a big hand. He loves you. He loves you. See these people here? They've now become your new family. If you've got to start to submit to it and say, God, I thank you for such a time as this. I want, to, I want all these people just to stand in a row here. See all these young people? I want to tell you, it's so amazing to see. So amazing to see you guys. It's so amazing to know that this is the generation that's going to turn things around. And I'm just going to lay hands on you tonight because I believe some of you tonight are going to receive strategies from heaven. Some of you in this night and in this week are going to start to dream dreams. Some of you in this week and next week are going to start to have supernatural encounters with God. I'm telling you tonight, I believe in supernatural impartation. I believe laying hands on people. I believe that in Timothy it says when, the, when Paul laid hands on, on Timothy, he received prophetic insight. He received insight and understanding. Amen. Come on. Father God, tonight, I just want us to really just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit tonight. I'm just going to touch you tonight. I want someone to come and stand behind these people. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we just thank you. Well, the call was actually for 15-year-olds and up. So if he's ready to receive it, amen. Father God, just take your hands out your pockets. Are you born again? Have you asked Jesus into your life? Well, maybe it's a good time, amen, to receive Jesus. How old are you now? 13. Awesome age. You're no longer just 12. You're now a teenager. God wants you to become responsible. Amen. 
And so whose son is this? This boy here needs to be kept busy. You've got to keep him busy, not with games and with all sorts of stuff. He's a reader. Leaders are readers. And I'm going to tell you, I see leadership on him. And I see God wants to raise him up, and I don't see him staying this size. I see like him becoming like a giant. But you've got to receive Jesus. You've got to get him a Bible to read. You've got to get worship playing in his room because he's been distracted by all sorts of stuff. Amen. Come on. So I want you to pray this because you want to, not because everybody else wants you to. Do you want to receive Jesus? Excuse me? Yes. Okay. That's the answer. Thank you, Lord. So, so I want you to say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you rose again for me. And tonight by faith, I receive you. I invite you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Lord Jesus, wash me in your blood. Heal my heart. Heal my mind. But from, from this day on, I will serve you with all of my heart in Jesus' name. You know what that means? While the prayer meeting's on, you're right there in the prayer meeting. When the preacher's preaching, you're sitting on the front seat taking notes. Amen. Come on. You've got to get so excited for God that every one of your friends that you come in contact with gets saved. Amen. Come on. Next time I come, I'm going to see all your friends here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. I need somebody standing behind these people, please. Come stand behind these people. Thank you, Jesus. Look at me. You are stepping into a destiny legacy. You've got to realize that, that you represent a whole generation, that everything you do from this moment on, you are changing the course of your generation. And God says, I'll give you the grace and the anointing to fulfill your assignment. In Jesus' name. Come on. It's all yours. Father, in Jesus' name. Father God, we thank you. You've got to get stirred up like never before. And say, God, I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy in the lives of people around me. God, I want to leave a legacy in the young woman all around me. Because you've seen so many young women get persuaded, get distracted. And God says, you're going to help them. Father God, we thank you that you stir up the prophetic on the inside of it. Just lay hands on your tummy right there. On the inside, Lord, supernatural, inside and understanding, God, we thank you for the fire of the Holy Spirit to come on her in Jesus' name. The fire of the Holy Spirit on your life, that you will thirst and you will find the righteousness of God. I'm telling you, I just saw you sucking up. It's like the nectar of a bee just sucking up this nectar. The anointing of God on your life in Jesus' name. Come on. Father God, we thank you for this young man. We thank you, Lord, that it won't just be a pipe dream. But, Lord, it'll be a reality in Jesus' name. Realities of God's kingdom. The reality of the call of God. The reality of God in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Look at me. I just saw you like God says, I'm going to give you stamina in this season. You're not going to lose your stamina. You're not going to lose out. It's like, God, I just, I've been running and running and running and running and running, but I'm not seeing the end. And God says tonight, I'm going to encourage you that as you run after God, He is going to meet your needs.
Because this is what has happened. Many times in the situations around you, you've said, God, I wonder if you've even heard my prayer. Amen? No more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Assignments, 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 assignments. Don't get bogged down in philosophies. Amen? You've got to be so alert in the next season of your life. Because you're stepping into a nation that hates God. Come on. You've got to do some research about Canada. You've got to do some research and see what's happening there. They've become a socialist nation. You've got to say, God, when I go, I need to be sure. I need to be so full of the power of God. I need to be so full of the, of the, the conviction of God. I need to be a Deborah in my next season. In Jesus' name. Come on. It's on your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to tell you something, because of your ability to serve, because of your ability to step in, I just saw like this Daniel anointing on you. God says you're going to come up with all sorts of business strategies. You're going to come up with all sorts of strategies, business anointing on your life. You are going to carve out on the mountain of business great strategies of wealth transfers in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. There's more to you, and sometimes you battle. Look at me. There's times that you battle, and you say, God, I don't know what I have to give. I don't think I just, I just, I'll just make up. God says, no, you fulfill a very important role in my kingdom. You, in, you fulfill a role as a woman of God. You are like an Esther. And God says, I'm going to start to give you the authority. And you're going to have a voice. Because I, you know what I see on you? I see law on you. I see legislation on you. I see justice on you. In Jesus' name. Come on. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Come on. I want to find out if you're here every Sunday. You're good? You should be from now on. Amen. Come on. Come on. Just say every Sunday, I'm going to get out of bed early because you like to sleep late. You're one of those sleep late sleepers like, oh, I want to get up at 12. God says, no, come on, seek me. And as you seek me, I will seek you. I'm telling you, your whole life is about to change. Come on, no more fear. No more fear. You've been living in the land of fear. Whose son is this? Listen to me. God is going to set him free from fear from anxiety. And God says, I'm going to give him such identity in terms of sonship. Because the biggest thing in his life is about a father. And God says, I'm going to heal your heart about a father figure. That's your biggest desire. God, I want to I know that I'm a son. See that man over there? He may be your grandpa, but I want to tell you, he's going to become such a, a mentor for you. And I saw you writing the most beautiful songs. And I just saw you composing things that are so beautiful. Amen. Come on. Use this time to get healed. Father God, you know, I've been watching you over the last couple of days. I've been watching you. I watch people. I stalk people. And I want to tell you something. You're a David. And God's going to give you not just one instrument to play, but I saw you playing other instruments. And I saw you writing music. And I saw you writing programs. And God's going to just give you such an amazing ability in the whole world of IT. IT. I just see IT all over you. 
writing programs and understanding all sorts of technologies and all sorts of um, new designs and all sorts of things, God says, I'm going to start a gift to you. But because you stepped into the servant role, God says, I'm going to make a way for you. Hold hands. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? Can I just say this to you? God has not forsaken you. You've gone through a real time of mourning and grief. And you've not had any answers. You've just said, God, why? I just hear you saying, why, why, why? But this is what I feel. The antidote, look at me. The antidote for grief is worship. Get into that place of worship. Say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to worship you. And as you worship the king, God is going to start to tell you and show you how you can touch the lives of others. Because what I feel in your life is like, I don't know anything about you, but I feel in your life, in the next season, God's going to sort of bring you into this place of discipleship. And I just saw you in the years to come discipling other people. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You very, you intrigue me. Do you know why? Because I see the potential. I see what you carry is so real. And it's like you've been knocking on heaven's door. And I want to tell you, in this season, God's going to start opening doors. You're not just going to get a glimpse here and a peep there. You're actually going to walk in the fullness of understanding what it means to be a son of covenant. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Same with you. Same with you. I just see on your life that you've stepped up over these years. I've, I remember you years ago giving you a prophetic word. And tonight I watched you on this platform and I thought, I think one of the words I gave you was about worship, wasn't it? And I just see how you've also started to develop and you're like emerging into this amazing capacity that you've been carrying. So Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Remember what I said last night. You carry God well, but you've got to start to seek Him. You've got to press in with God like never before. What's your name? Are you born again? Have you ever asked Jesus into your life? No. Whose parents is he? Who does he belong to? I'll take him home if nobody wants to claim him. He needs to get saved. Did you know that? He needs to receive Jesus today. He said, I want to receive Jesus. How old are you? I think he's ready. Reach out your hands, everybody. Because you know what? You're coming, uh, how are you 12? You're coming into a season of maturity. And I see like the seriousness of God coming on you. Because you've got such a good sense of humor. Nobody knows if you're serious or not. You, you're the joker. And God says tonight, there's like this, I see like this serious thing coming on you. I see like this responsibility coming on you. I just feel like this obedience of God coming on you. So just say this of me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you rose again for me. And tonight by faith, I invite you into my life as my Lord, as my Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you that you washed me in your blood, that you've set me free. Lord Jesus, from this night, I will serve you with all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, I want to pray for you too. I just feel the Lord is saying to you.
the battle is over. There's been this battle. And it's like, I, I don't see the end in sight. And the Lord says, it's over. I am going to restore what the canker worm has eaten. And you're going to re- once again be replenished by the presence of God in this season. And you're going to see this young man fulfill his destiny. Amen. Come on. It's like you've been juggling all these things. God says you've got to put all those little things down and you've got to wait on me and I will show you strategically what you need to be doing in the next six months. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. Thank you, Jesus. But I want to just say this and I'm going to hand back to Pastor Lillian. I am so excited to see cross generations in this church. I'm so excited to see some of these old guys, these old women, old girls, these young women, these young men. I'm so excited because this is health. And I want to encourage these young men and women. You've got to root yourself down in this well. If you don't find yourself in a well or around a well, get into this well. Start a build around this well. Start building around this generation. Start building around this legacy. Because something is going to be imparted over your life. Amen? God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Well, I am so excited tonight to see all these young people. We have prayed for you. Listen, young people. Listen to Mama. I want to see all of you on this stage. There's room for you. There's ministry for you here. I want to see this stage filled with young people. Amen. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean there's not room for the rest of us. We're here. We're the foundation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we're so excited to see the the youth because this is going to be a youth movement in Jesus' name. It's going to be a youth movement. God is going to do amazing things in the youth in the UK. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands, everybody? And would you, would you just pray for the youth of the UK? You know that in Bradford, we have more young people, I believe, because of the Bradford University, be, because it's, it's, it's just got so many students from so many countries. I believe we have more youth in this city than in any other city, I've been told. This is the city of youth. So would you just raise your hands and would you call in the youth in Jesus' name? We call in the youth. We call in the university students in Jesus' name. We call in the glory of God upon the young people of this city in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that they're all in Bradford and they're right here where God will touch them. And young people, under the sound of my voice, God will use you to touch them. You are the ones that are going to reach out and touch the youth. You are the ones. Hallelujah. I see your hand up, young man. God wants to use you. To, with the youth, he wants to use you. And you've got your hand up and you're saying yes, and I'm so excited for you. Hallelujah. 
we bless you. Father, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you. You've got your hands up. God's going to use you with the youth in, in this area. In Jesus' name, he's going to use you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.